Well, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles or Bible apps to the book of John. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you. If you'd like to follow along, uh, I'll later have the scriptures up on the screen as we read through it as a whole. We're in John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. Uh, we've been on this long journey here through the gospel of John. Gospel means good news. It's good news because it tells us about God who came to us to save us. It tells us the truth about who we are and who God is. And there's hope. There's hope through Jesus Christ. And we're going to hear about that hope today grounded in the truth. Specifically in our passage here in the last several weeks, we've been, we've been in, in, the, in the intense darkness with Jesus as he's headed towards the cross. He's being falsely accused right now as we head into this passage for today. He's going to be taken beyond the religious leaders to the governing authorities of that time, the Romans. An ancient question comes up in the message today. Question that's been asked since the beginning and still being asked today. What is truth? What is truth? Have you maybe asked that question yourself at times? Maybe, maybe you've, you, you've heard this explicitly expressed today or even implicitly. What is truth? Maybe, maybe you've heard statements along the lines of truth is personal. It's, it's what, 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 what different for every person. It's different for across cultures and, and, and religions. It's, there is no one truth, but there are many truths. There is your personal truth. Whatever your experience is, that's what's true for you. Who am I to judge? Because we can't know what is truth. Truth is up to you personally, your experience. A couple weeks back, I had a bout of depression I occasionally have these. They come and go. Struggle with anxiety as well. Uh, uh, maybe some of you also struggle with depression. And it comes up. I share this not for sympathy. Because I think it's important for you to know that you're not alone. The struggles with mental health are real and common. We need to be able to talk about those things. I was struggling. Had a bout of depression a couple weeks back. And some of those messages that come up. They're, and, and they're not from me. I know they're not from me. But they're, but they're real. And I know they're not true, but they're real in the moment. They, they're powerful. You're worthless. You're a failure. These things come up and it's gnawing. It's compelling. If truth was my experience, as, as a common message is today, if truth is my experience, then, then I should listen to those messages in my darkness, in these moments of anxiety, I'm unsafe. Something's out to get me. Something's going to go wrong. I, I should listen to those messages based on my experience because my experience is truth. Maybe be thinking like that, that. That's not exactly what society or culture is communicating here today. But it actually is in Canada. Not, not, not too long ago, uh, uh, they, were, they were deciding upon some legislation. Where in Canada, you can, have, you can have assisted suicide for terminal illnesses. 
And what was before them was to expand assisted suicide for mental illness. You imagine that. To make it law that it's okay for you if you're having suicidal thoughts, you're feeling your worthlessness and you have no value and there's no end in sight and it's too, just too much. Just end it. And making it law that your experience is truth. And so you should be able to do that. It's your personal choice. It's your right. That's the absurdity of taking these messages to their logical conclusion. It's happening now. The Canadian government didn't say, no, that is absolutely absurd and destructive because our value isn't determined by what we feel and think in the moment. Amen? No, they said, we're going to delay this for a year. We need to think about it a little bit more. Because when we do implement it, we want, to, we want to have some safeguards. How do you have safeguards? You're already letting people in their life and telling them to listen to the message that they're worthless and have no value. What is truth? Can we know what a woman is? Or a man? Can we know what justice is? That is it wrong to treat people poorly based on their skin color or, or whatever difference they have? Is it wrong? Can we know that? Can we know whether or not an unborn life has value or a voice? Can we know that there is any right or wrong? Can we know these things? What is truth? This is not a new question. And it's going to continue to be asked. And we need answers. Jesus gets to that today. If you haven't, if you haven't turned there, go ahead and do so. John 18, 28 through 40. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him for your own law, by your own law. The Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the kind of Jews or are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Pilate said to him, 
So you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is on the side on everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Now, after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cry out again. Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Let's pray as we receive God's word. Spirit, we need your word. We need you to open our hearts. Hear life-changing truth. To be able to receive, Lord Jesus, there is truth. That truth has a name. It's Jesus. Lord, we want to see you. We want to learn from you. What is truth? It's not something ambiguous. It's not something unknowable. But God, it's unchanging. It's eternal. That truth is love toward us. But it's a love that liberates us. We want to encounter you. As you said, you will know the truth. When you know the truth and believe the truth, the truth will set you free. Set us free today, Jesus. In your name, amen. So we come to this situation here where the religious leaders have brought Jesus before this man named Pilate. The religious leaders of this time were out to get Jesus because of the claims that he had made by his life and his actions that he is the son of God. While they had been waiting for this king to come to set them free, it was to set them free from people like the Romans Jesus came to set them free from themselves. They couldn't understand that. They couldn't receive that because there's something deeper at work. The kingdom they were looking for, the kingdom that they're a part of, was not what they thought. We're going to get into this later. There is, there's a world behind our world at work here. Jesus came to reveal. So they sought to end Jesus' life. And they bring him before the Romans, because the Romans are in control and have dominated the Jews, even in their own land. To the point that even things uh, uh, carrying out certain forms of justice required permission and governance by the Romans themselves. Especially if you wanted a certain kind of justice, which is what these Jews, what these religious leaders were looking for. And so they come to Pilate. Pilate's not a Jew. And, and they're in this significant celebration called Passover. And the Jews, they had created these extra laws in order to be right with God. They thought it was through following the rules. 
wasn't through God's work for them. It wasn't through relationships. It was, it was through these, these extra rules. And one of these extra rules was we can't eat with or go and have uh, a contact with a non-Jew in their house. If we go into their house, because they believe things like they, they buried their, kid, their dead kids in their homes. I'm not joking, guys. These were their beliefs. So they wouldn't go in. Because if they did, they would be unclean and not able to participate and be in uh, a community with the other Jews. They'd have to go through a week's worth of cleanliness and and, and getting everything taken care of. Can you imagine going through all and having to have all these rules and known and figured out? And you just live in this place of anxiety and pressure. But nonetheless, they don't go in. So they have Pilate come out to them. Pilate's this governor of the region. And, and he's more or less kind of like a chief of police. He's an enforcer. He's trying to make sure that the the Jews don't rise up, get organized and get all excited about this idea of national freedom so that they fight back against the Romans. He's there to try to keep things on the level. Pilate was particularly known for his brutality in keeping things at bay. He was known as a politician kind of enforcer that, that when it worked for him, he would step in and he would do so with fierce savagery. He led with an iron fist. One of the things that the Romans would do in terms of executing their justice was to shamefully portray before the people their power and authority through crucifixion of criminals and, through, uh, and of people who tried to rise up. To publicly shame them, but also to demonstrate if you're the nail that sticks its head up, you're going to get hammered down. So the Jews coming to Pilate are looking for a particular kind of justice we see. He, he talks with them about, hey, this is, this is your own man. You can take care of it. Why don't you deal with this justice yourselves? And the Jews push back on him. And they say, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death, which isn't exactly true, but technically true. Because there was still the practice of stoning at that time. That was one of their forms of justice. But these leaders were looking for something more. Essentially, they could have been saying like, yeah, Pilate, we can take Jesus out back and throw rocks at him. But that's not going to do what we want to do. We want to make a scene. We want him to be shamed. We want everybody to know. That he is not our king or any kind of king. Further, we want to go beyond that. You see, because in our law, it says if someone is hung on a tree, then they are particularly cursed by God. Deuteronomy, check this out. It says this. If a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he's put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all day, all night on the tree. But you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. They wanted all the Jews to be able to see and understand. This guy isn't just 
opposed by us. He's not just somebody who's a liar, but he's cursed. Shame to anyone who would even mention his name. He's cursed by God himself. They wanted crucifixion. That's what they came there for. But you know what? So did Jesus. You see, Jesus wasn't surprised by this. As we talked about a couple weeks back, this was his plan all along. In fact, as John explains, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show what kind of death. He knew he was going to be crucified and need to be crucified. Because to be crucified, to be hung under the tree, he needed to be cursed by God. Why? To take it for us. He came under God's condemnation and judgment. But the irony is him being hung on a tree was out of injustice. He didn't deserve it. And we'll see here, even Pilate identifies this. This guy's done nothing wrong. But Jesus, it was for this purpose to be cursed by God in in our place, in your place. demonstrate God's plan and his love but to show us truth so Pilate comes in to the quarters with Jesus verse 33 he enters the headquarters again with Jesus begins this conversation and you just imagine kind of this the colossal kind of thing that's at work here you can go to the picture with Pilate and Jesus thank you Kind of imagine the colossal kind of thing that's implied here. Christ versus Caesar. The Romans were considered the greatest power on earth at this time. Christ versus Caesar. So Pilate and Jesus engage. Are you the king of the Jews? You see, if this was true, if Jesus was a king... The charge could be brought of sedition. Like he's trying to raise up and set himself up against Caesar. That was considered sedition. That was a a crime punishable by death. To set yourself up against the authority of Caesar. Particularly as an insurrectionist, as a revolutionary. Jesus responds with him. And there appears to be this kind of coy interaction between Pilate and Jesus going back and forth here. Did you come to this conclusion of your own? Or are others talking about this with me? And Jesus is trying to get Pilate to examine his own heart. That's where Jesus is going with Pilate. He's not just playing games with him, mental games, and avoiding the issue and avoiding the topic. He's trying to get Pilate to consider, what does he think about what's going on here? You see, Pilate, as a police officer, as a chief of police, he knows criminals. He's had to learn to read people. And this question even, are you the king of the Jews, is is more or less sarcastic. Pilate responds to Jesus' own words to have him consider, like, what 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 does Pilate think? Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Pilate's trying to get Jesus to defend himself. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has no need to defend himself. He has no need to try to get him out of the situation. Your own nation delivered you over to me. What have you done? 
Jesus goes on to explain here, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus invites Pilate into this moment to see with eyes. There's more going on here, son. More than you could ever know. My kingdom's not out of this world. My purpose isn't to try to defend myself here. Not to get myself out of this situation. Because there's something that must be done. And there's something I must show the world. I must do for the world. My kingdom is not of this world. There is more. Not just for Pilate, but for you and I. Guys, there's more than just what's sitting right in front of you right now. Today, there's more than just your grind that you go through in your family situation, work. There's more going on. Pilate jumps on this reference. He says, oh, you are a king. And Jesus responds back. Clarifying, you're right to say that I am. For this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, I came into the world to bear witness to truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus is the king of truth. Jesus acknowledges to Pilate himself. I, it was for this reason, I came into this world. He's acknowledging I existed before now. Did you catch that? You imagine like Pilate just trying to, Okay, what kind, what is going on here? Like, this dude is clearly a hippie. Like, clearly a hippie. See the long hair and the beard. Like, I'm not sure what he's smoking, but uh, he's, uh, he's a bit delusional. Um, clearly, he's a philosopher of sorts, but this dude is not a threat. He is not a threat. Not my purposes. Not for my purposes. I'm not concerned about this guy. Jesus is inviting Pilate. There is more right, right in front of you. I'm showing you truth. Pilate responds with this jaded kind of question. What is truth? What is truth for Pilate's role? And as, as this politician, as this person of power and especially an abuser of power, truth, truth is expedient. Truth is expedient. Do you know what I mean by that? If truth is expedient, it's like truth. Truth is what, what works for you in the moment. Truth is whatever gets me what I want. Right? That's the way a lot of people treat it. That's the way a lot of us have, have even related with, with God. Like truth is what works for me. So God, if you, as long as things are going my way, then I believe that you exist. Or, you know, we become really superstitious. Like, we'll trust in anything as long as it works. We're really pragmatists. We become superstitious about things in our life. Whether it's, you know, that I'm going to wear this certain necklace because, you know, I'm going to be blessed by this and God's going to do things or these things happen in my life. Or we get frustrated and question if things aren't going well, if I'm going through darkness and struggles and suffering, Well, this Jesus thing isn't working for me. Then we begin to question, oh, it must not be true. It's not working for me. I'm not getting what I want out of this. So it must not be true. I need to go find something else that works for me. Well, that's what the life of Pilate, 
just finding whatever works for him. What is truth? So he goes back outside. And he knows Jesus is innocent. He knows. And he declares it. I find nothing wrong with this man. Well, then enforce justice, right? It, it seems clear. Enforce justice. Isn't there justice? Well, it's not that clear for, for Pilate. You see, he doesn't want an insurrection. You see, he's got this mob out there. And he doesn't want them to revolt on him. So he puts it in their hand. Well, I'll, I'll release somebody to you. That's our custom. Who do you want? Give us Barabbas. Well, this dude, Barabbas, was an insurrectionist. That's why he was in, in prison. Because he had cited others up to gather together and to kill Romans and to organize a revolt against the kingdom, against Caesar. The irony of Jesus, who's being falsely accused for sedition and being an insurrectionist, and who gets released? The insurrectionist. That's who the Jews want. What is truth? Pilate went for what is expedient. What would bring peace? What would, what would quell the crowds and politically maneuver things? Not what was right. Even though he knew it. I want to unpack here Jesus' words for us. These two phrases that are significant. My kingdom is not of this world. And then I came to reveal truth. In this conversation, I mentioned Jesus having with Pilate. It was an invitation to Pilate to understand there's more going on here than you could possibly understand. There was this movie, The Matrix. It came out back in like the 90s and early 2000s. Some of you may remember The Matrix. And it suggested and implied like there's, there's these, these, a world behind the world, right? It's interacting. So what Jesus is, is talking about. There's, there's, there's these kingdoms at work beyond the, the, the tangible. There's something that is engaged with this tangible presence. That's, there's more going on. And we're caught up in, in truly a cosmic colossal kind of clash of kingdoms, of battles. A kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus says. I want to walk us through. Connecting the dots to see this bigger picture, to kind of pull back the curtain and, and, and to be able to understand what's going on here. Not just for, for Jesus and his conversation with Pilate, but for us today. You can go to the next slide here. Bear with me as we walk through these scriptures. And if you, if you want the slides for this sermon today, please let me know. The Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The work of Jesus, why he came, was to take us out of one kingdom and into another. A kingdom of light. That, that all of us are, are under slavery. We're, we're under the, the, as it says, the domain of darkness. Unless Jesus does a work to bring us out into light. 
into his own kingdom. Through his work of redemption and forgiveness. And go to the next slide. Jesus talking to Paul when he calls the guy Paul who was murdering Christians. He was on the way to kill more Christians. And he says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to, I'm going to take you. You're going to be an agent for me, not against me. And he says, I'm sending you to open unbelievers' eyes. It's any of us who, who have not come to know Jesus Christ and surrender and experience the truth. I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and, and a place among those who are sanctified or, or made holy or separated, set apart in my love by faith in me. There's, there's two kingdoms going on behind the scenes here. And they're at work. And they intersect with this tangible physical world. And they're working. And the machinations are, are, are behind the evil and injustice. But even down to the personal level. You see, the, the messages that we receive, even personally, are part of this, these kingdoms at work. In the kingdom of darkness. You see, the, Satan is considered the god of this world. The prince of, of the air, the king of darkness. You can go to the next slide. In Corinthians, it says this. Even if our gospel, the good news about Jesus, even if it's veiled, if people don't receive it and understand it, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. Do, do you hear that? There is another force at work that's affecting our perception even. It's affecting our own sense of of mental health and our own sense of of seeing and understanding this world. That we may have the facts right in front of us, but we may not believe that. Because there's something more going on. There's another force at work. Continue on here. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. There's a force at work that wants to destroy you. That wants to destroy us. That wants to pit us against each other. One of the greatest lies of the enemy of Satan is that he doesn't even exist. That there isn't another spiritual realm at work within our own world. And there's not another force that's set out to cause us to destroy ourselves, destroy each other. The heart of this is a seed, is a significant lie that started at the very beginning. Let's go to the beginning, Genesis 3. You see, when God made Adam and Eve in that place of perfection and all things were good, and he gave them an instruction, there's a tree where there's the knowledge of good and evil. And this tree is dangerous. It will kill you. Stay away from it. But the serpent, this wasn't a snake. This was Satan. This was a spiritual force of darkness. And he comes to to Eve and he says to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. What he's saying is, 
Free yourself from God. You, you can be your, your own God. You should have the right to determine what is true. That's what God's keeping you from. He's keeping you from freedom. Liberate yourself. Liberate yourself from, 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 the author, from having any authority over You can be your own authority. You be the source of truth. What is good? What is evil? This is where freedom is. Your eyes will be opened. You'll know the truth for yourself. This is, this is the seed of everything that is unraveling in our world. And from the very beginning, you have the right to determine what is true for you. And that's all that matters. Everybody should be free to choose what's true for them. What is truth? That's the question that's being asked here. Pilate, we talked about, for him, truth was what's expedient. Whatever works, that's still, we still do that today. But that prevalent message, even, even more profoundly at work here today among us, is truth is your experience. Truth is your point of view. What you feel to be true is true for you. I alluded earlier to just some of the problems and the, and, and the inconsistencies when we unravel this lie that you should be the authority of truth. When it's relied upon us, friends, we are limited beings. Does anybody in the house here know all things going on all the time? You see it from everybody's perspective? No. We're limited. We, we can't be, be sources of truth when we're limited. We're, we're not, anybody here consistent? Like every day, I run into the face of my inconsistencies. You know, I run up against myself. We're inconsistent beings. Some of you are like machines, but even so, you still have issues of consistency, don't you? If we're honest with ourselves. Is anybody... Like, perfectly healthy? Anybody in the house? Nope. We all have some limits in terms of our health, our mental health. We can't always see things clearly or truly as they are. We have a sort of distorted perspective to some degree. We're we're biased. We're all biased. We, We can't be trusted with truth. Because of all these things. Because what happens when we unravel this? Let's just play this out. If everybody just lives out, my truth is, my personal truth is true, and everybody lives it out. Imagine the worship team on stage here. And we did this a while back, but everybody's just playing whatever they want, however they want. How do you suppose it's going to sound? Like chaos. It's going to be horrible, right? You're going to cover your ears. It's painful. When everybody in this room, if we just all did our own thing, you know what? Some people are going to get killed. Did you know that? That's reality. If we just let this play itself out, everybody just live out what's true for you. It's actually going to destroy society. You see, part of the problem is, is it gets at some of the struggles in terms of relieving us from the burden of shame. If there is no truth... That message comes from 
well, what if I struggle with same-sex attraction? Well, what if I struggle with, with I, I don't, I, 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 I'm a man, but I feel like I'm a woman. What, what if I struggle with, with other sexual desires and desires for, for somebody other than my, my wife or my spouse? What, what if I struggle with, with the temptation to, to take things that are not mine and to lie? And what, what if I struggle with anger? Like what, what, what these, these messages come from is to alleviate from a, a sort of a problem of shame. We alleviate the problem of shame where I see my brokenness and, and, and things are not right in me. So I need, to, I need to say that there's no right and wrong to remove the shame so, so that I can feel good, about, so I can be accepted. Do, do, are you following me? The issue that we're, that, that we're trying to wrestle with is our shame and our brokenness. But what if there's another way? What if we're loved even in the midst of our brokenness and and that love doesn't celebrate our brokenness but liberates us from our brokenness? What if that's true? What if there's truth that that we are embraced in the midst of and welcomed with horrible decisions that we've made, with with dark thoughts about ourselves or, 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 or temptations and struggles and desires? What if we're welcomed so that we can be changed? We can be affirmed without our brokenness being affirmed. Jesus doesn't condemn In going to the cross, we see truth. Jesus, his pursuit of us, his intentional path to the cross was to demonstrate, I'm coming under the brokenness of this world. I'm coming into the injustice and I'm going to show you what is right. I'm going to liberate. This world's broken. We can't look to the world for solutions. It's only going to perpetuate the brokenness. But you can look to me. I've come to reveal truth. If there is truth, it can't be in us. It can't because we're limited, because we're broken, because we're inconsistent, because we're biased, all these things. There's got to be something more. We know because we would say it is unjust to treat someone differently, to treat someone poorly because just because they're different from us. Different socioeconomic status, different gender, different, different ethnicity. That's wrong. We know it. But where does that come from? It comes from a God who revealed it. Even though I struggle with the impulses for same-sex attraction or, or, or this, the, these, these thoughts that I am a gender other than, than, than what I have been given biologically, even though I struggle with these things. That doesn't mean that's what's true about me. That doesn't mean that's what I should live in and live out. I, do, I, I may struggle with these things, but I don't have to self-hate. I don't have to reject myself. I don't have to, 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 to go into depression because I, I've got some kind of some kind of brokenness. We're all broken. Friends, if you have any kind of struggle of brokenness of any kind, you're welcome here. Amen? Whatever that brokenness may be, you are welcome. Because we've all received that welcome through Jesus Christ. In the cross, we see. 
He doesn't just show us love that accepts us without accountability. The cross is accountability for our brokenness. The cross affirms that there is justice and right and wrong. The cross affirms that you are welcome, you are loved, you are worth dying for no matter what kind of, what kind of brokenness is going on inside of you. What kind of desires are going on inside of you? You were loved enough to, for the Son of God to give His life for you. And He will change you. This life we're going to live, we're going to have and experience desires, suffering that are inconsistent are inconsistent with what is good for us, what is true. We live in a broken world. We cannot expect heaven here and now. Therefore, we cannot expect, if this life isn't perfect, we can't expect what happens inside us to be perfect and therefore trustworthy. So in the cross, in the life of Jesus, from the teachings of Jesus, Jesus gives us this, these messages here. You can go to the next slide, please. I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Truth isn't some cold, hard principle. is isn't just mere logical reasoning. Truth is a person. Do you guys get that? Truth is a person. Jesus said to them, the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, if you receive from me, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You can go to the next slide. Friends, as we come today, Jesus, as he's on his way to the cross, he says, I have come for this purpose. It is my right, it is my role as your king to show you truth. And I show you that in myself. And I'm going to show you that. In the greatest moment of injustice, I'm going to die in your place. I'm going to die in your place to welcome you. No matter who you are and what you've done and what's going on inside of you. But I'm also dying to change you. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to liberate you. He celebrates over you, friends. No matter where you're at. No matter, no matter what your friends are, are struggling with. For, for them to be able to know this truth as well. We need to be able to be relationally what Jesus is to us. Somebody struggling with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria or, or, or any kind of other brokenness of, uh, of any kind with lust, adultery, drug addiction. We are to be arms open like Jesus was to us. Our, and and, and, our, and our, our acceptance doesn't mean we affirm the brokenness. We need to get that right. That's what Jesus was to us. We can be with people we disagree with. The world is creating polarity and, and increasing animosity. Jesus creates reconciliation. He brings us together. We should be those agents of that. And as we receive the truth of Jesus, his welcome of us, 
His love of us, we should be so radically welcoming of others. But that doesn't mean, our welcome doesn't mean we affirm the brokenness. We have a hard time standing in that place of tension. But that's the cross, the place of tension. We can offer them hope and truth and introduce them to Jesus, their king, who wants to show them love, who affirms them and will liberate them as he is us. But friends, it starts with us. Are you being set free by the truth? Are you personally encountering the person of truth, Jesus Christ himself? Are you receiving that? Have you surrendered and come under his authority? His authority isn't a restriction of freedom. It is greater freedom. Are you coming under him? Have you come to him to receive? Let him lead you. Let him define you. Let him speak love and life. Your, your value isn't what you feel in the moment. Praise God. Your experience isn't truth. Praise God. It is firmly established and it's unchanging your value your worth because it comes from God the rock himself come today friends as we close out this service I'm going to do something I don't normally do Zach can we sing just as I am as we close out you can come on down In Jesus, friends, we have the truth. We have the answer to the question, what is truth? In Jesus and the cross, we are loved. And we are also broken. He accepts us. And yet he holds us accountable. He affirms our value, but not our brokenness. His love liberates us let's come to the cross let's come to to jesus king of truth let's pray holy spirit jesus thank you for your kindness lord where you knew and you prayed approaching the cross knowing you would be cursed by your father that was always the plan but it didn't change The dramatic pain and power of being rejected by God, of becoming all that is evil, taking all of our sin to come under the wrath of God against injustice. He said, Father, if it would be that will, take this cup from me. But Father, not my will. Yours be done. You went and endured so much suffering and so much pain. Show the the great lengths that we are worth living and dying for. Lord, there's darkness at work. There's a kingdom of darkness at work, God, and and, and the lies that are are, are trying to penetrate and and hold in slavery people here today. And they, they, they want freedom. Lord Jesus, we pray for the light of your truth to penetrate now. 
Lord, where some are struggling in sin and, 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 and struggling with brokenness, Lord God. And, 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 and the temptation, the liar is there to, 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 to hate themselves for their struggle, Lord God. We pray, Jesus, for your light to break in of your love in the midst of our brokenness. But while we we're still sinners, you died for us. That's how you showed us your love. God, we pray for that truth to break in. Lord, as we're tempted to erase our shame by saying there is no truth, and you know it's just kind of whatever we want to make it, Lord God, that we can receive that there can be order, that that, that coming under your authority isn't, isn't something we should fear, but God, it actually brings freedom. That we can trust you, God, that you don't shame us. Lord, I pray against the lies that are plaguing my brothers and sisters of their worth and their value. The lies even that may be about other people and their brokenness, that we should somehow be separate and distant from them. But God, Lord, may we, may we step towards those who are, who are hurting, who, who are struggling, who are, who are experiencing all kinds of different temptations. Lord God, may we step towards them in radical love, just as you've stepped towards us. King of light, king of truth, penetrate our darkness now. Set us free. Amen.